Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. If there is anything that reeks of modernism more in the church today than what I'm about to recount to you, I haven't seen it, because the story I have for you today is the explicit rejection of, of what the church has taught throughout history, going back and digging into its ancient past to reclaim ancient practices that are not understood by anyone in the church today, quite frankly. That practice, the claim to return to the ancient past, is a hallmark of the modernists, who make claims about the way the church was run in ancient times that are, frankly, inaccurate, and then use their claims to impose heterodoxy and heresy onto the church to make the church strangely more and more in keeping with the values of the modern world. It's also tiresome, but none of it is surprising. Let's dive into our story. First, let's pay a visit to Francis the Meek and Merciful. At an audience he gave late last week, the man the world sees as the Supreme Pontiff has said that we must embrace the God of surprises and reject clinging to our rigid certainties. Again, quote, Even today, many are looking for religious security rather than the living and true God, focusing on rituals and precepts instead of embracing the God's love with their whole being. And this is the temptation of the new fundamentalists, of those to whom it seems the path forward is scary and they do not go forward but be backwards because they feel safer. They seek the security of God and not the God of security. End quote. The God of security. And I gotta love the fact that he pretty much called us, he basically said we don't believe. Gotta love that. And of course, moving forward. Progress and security. These are odd words for a pope to apply to the teachings of the church, but then again, his status in that is even disputed these days. But for Francis, this moving forward with God means moving backwards, in ways the church doesn't really accept anyway. Our story comes from that bastion of Catholic orthodoxy, the outlet that never embraces error or heresy, the National Catholic Reporter. And of course, I'm being facetious with that, as you'll be hard-pressed to find an outlet that promotes sin and error more than the National Catholic Reporter, secular or otherwise. Headline from the reporter. Vatican Conference convenes experts to study early Christian history. These sorts of conferences are never a good thing, to be sure. And I do want to say this, though. If it were any other papacy other than this one, it would be less concerning to me. Yes, each of the popes prior to Francis, going back to Pius XII, had some modernist tendencies of some kind. Pius XII's papacy at the end was not the greatest thing but nothing quite like what we've seen in our time. And if you need proof that this is going to be a train wreck, this is right from the first paragraph of the article that headline came from. Quote, A Vatican conference will gather both Christian and non-Christian historians and experts to delve deep into the history of the church in the first centuries of Christianity. Speaking to journalists at the Vatican press conference, October 26th, Norbertine father Bernard Ardura, president of the Pontifical Commission for Historical Sciences, said the conference program was inspired by Pope Francis, who urged him to work with scholars from all scientific backgrounds, from the most varied cultural sensibilities, and from the most diverse historiographical methods. Pope Francis insisted on the need for the committee to promote a fruitful collaboration in the scientific field, not only with Catholic academic institutions, but as well as with all historians and specialists in auxiliary sciences of history who are ready to work together in the search for truth, taking into account only their scientific expertise, Father Ardura said. End quote. So modernists, and those not in the church, will use their various frames of reference to understand early church history. I'm going to remind you that this is happening just as the synod on synodality is happening, which is being characterized by virtually everyone as a third 
Vatican Council de facto. Do you see what can happen with this? But let's just keep going. Quote, at the October 27th to 29th conference titled Inquiry into the History of the First Centuries of the Church will bring scholars to focus particularly on the first two centuries of Christianity. The two main historical accounts of the early church have several points of conflict, Father Ardura said. The first account is that of Eusebius of Caesarea, the 4th century bishop who chronicled the church's development from the 1st century to the 4th century. The second historical account, he continued, was more in line with Martin Luther's perspective, which chronicles the gradual degradation of the church over the centuries until the Protestant Reformation. Father Ardura emphasized the importance of the conference in studying the church's history and searching for truth no matter where it may lead. However, he also noted that the conference is only the beginning. We will not arrive at certain conclusions, Father Ardura said. We want to give space to researchers who in various disciplines have acquired knowledge of early Christian history, end quote. And there it is, Martin Luther. What this conference is engaging in is something historical and the- called historical and theological criticism. This is explicitly condemned as a proposition by the church, and they're doing it with another explicitly rejected proposition, archaeologism or antiquarianism. Let's take a look at both. First from Pope St. Pius X in his address to young Catholic pilgrims, he warned them of the modernists who seek always to critique history and reform the church in, their, in line with their alleged findings. And I say alleged, and you'll see why. Quote, From these facts, you can see how far astray are those Catholics who, in the name of historical and philosophical criticism, in that tendentious spirit which has invaded every field, put in the foremost rank the religious question itself, insinuating that by study and research we should form a religious conscience in harmony with our times, or as they say, modern. And so, with a system of sophisms and errors, they falsify the concept of obedience inculcated by the church. They arrogate to themselves the right of judging the actions of authority even to the extent of ridiculing them. They attribute to themselves a mission to impose a reform, a mission which they have neither received from God nor from any authority. End quote. The error of historical and theological criticism has been widely rejected by the Church, and it is best summed up in Pius XII's famous phrase regarding the message of the Third Secret of Fatima. Quote, I am concerned about the confidences of the Virgin to the little Lucia of Fatima. This persistence of the good lady in face of the danger that threatens the Church is a divine warning against the self-destruction that the alteration of the faith in its liturgy, its theology, and its soul would represent. I hear around me innovators who wish to dismantle the sacred chapel, destroy the universal flame of the church, reject her ornaments, and make her remorseful for her historical past. Well, my dear friend, I am convinced that the church of Peter must affirm her past, or else she will dig her own grave. I will fight this battle with the greatest energy on the inside of the church, just as outside of it, even if the forces of evil may one day take advantage of my person, my actions, or my writings, as they try today to deform the history of the church. All human heresies which alter the word of God are so that a greater light might appear. End quote. Now the other issue is archaeologism, that looking to the ancient past and to try to bring things back to how it used to be in the church, allegedly. First, remember that it is always mysteriously in keeping with the aims of the modernists that these ancient findings about how the church used to be run always just coincidentally turn out to be in line with modernist uh, uh, programs. 
Though under close scrutiny, we find out without fail that the ancient Catholics never practiced the faith the way the modernists claim. And the best example of this is the claim that Mass was celebrated facing the people. That just didn't happen. But that leads us to this. The problem is that this practice is actually condemned by the Church at the highest level again. Pius XII in his encyclical, Mediator Dei, rejected this notion because in his time, people were beating the drums for liturgical reform, a reform that was brought to us in the form of the new Mass and all of its consequences, a reform that Pius XII helped himself usher in unbeknownst to him when he permitted the ancient Holy Week liturgies to be mucked around with by the heretic Anabale Bugnini. But regardless of that, Pius XII's rejection of antiquarianism, or archaeologism as he called it, stands today by reminding us of the living nature of the Church. Quote, The Church is without question a living organism, and as an organism, in respect of the sacred liturgy also, she grows, matures, develops, adapts, and accommodates herself to temporal needs and circumstances, provided only that the integrity of her doctrine be safeguarded. This notwithstanding, the temerity and daring of those who introduce novel liturgical practices or call for the revival of obsolete rites out of harmony with prevailing laws and rubrics deserve severe reproof. Assuredly, it is a wise and most laudable thing to return in spirit and effect to the sources of the sacred liturgy. For research in this field of study, by tracing it back to its origins, contributes valuable assistance towards a more thorough and careful investigation of the significance of feast days and the meaning of the text and sacred ceremonies implied on their occasion. But it is neither wise nor laudable to reduce everything to antiquity by every possible device. Thus, to cite some instances, one would be straying from the straight path were he to wish the altar restored to its primitive table form, were he to want black excluded as a color for the liturgical vestments, were he to forbid the use of sacred images and statues in churches, were he to order the crucifix so designed that the divine Redeemer's body showed no trace of his cruel sufferings, and lastly, were he to disdain and reject polyphonic music or singing in parts, even where it conforms to regulations issued by the Holy See. End quote. Does the church change over time? Sure, but not in substance. Her teachings, which manifest themselves in practice and worship, do not change, but certain things do develop over time. Remember, nothing new is to be added to the gospel, and nothing has been. But the modernists sure have tried to, especially with their universal group-hug attitude towards embracing those in schism and heresy or worse. As Professor Peter Kwasniewski at NewLiturgicalMovement.org describes this problem in an article from 2018 that is suddenly relevant because of this conference happening, quote, Note that there is a common thread running through all of these points. False antiquarianism, as Pius XII called it. This appeal to antiquity is always selective. The reformers pick the early elements that fit with their modernist agenda and effortlessly discard the rest, even things that are equally ancient or more ancient, such as the ad orientum stance. In other words, there is a modern filter that determines what antiqui antiquity means and what makes an ancient element acceptable to moderns. In this way, all such quote-unquote recoveries are inherently and unavoidably modern rather than ancient. Thus, antiquarianism is doomed to collapse into the self-referential modernism that picks and chooses items still deemed relevant out of the individual mass of ateological matter into which the church's past has been converted by modern philosophy. Nothing is valued simply on account of its being handed down. It is valued because it is wanted by a reformer according to his own lights and for his own purposes, be they good or bad. End quote. And that's the rub. The ancient only has value to the modernists because it fits their program, not because it has any value to the church.
I could go on and on, but I won't. Do you think there's a possible way that a conference that critically looks at the historic development of the church using Luther's claims as used by his partisans is going to bear any good fruit whatsoever, especially given the cast of characters we're talking about here? Let me know in the comments, please. And remember that this is happening at the same time as the Synod that will surely influence the Synod of Bishops. For that reason, please pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.